0: Hi, this is Philip Holland, host of Hope for the Day. I'm so excited that you are listening and you have this to look forward to from today's message. God's will is greater than your messy reality. Like there's this part of us that feels like whenever we're sorting through challenging situations and maybe bad decisions that we've made that somehow your decision and my decision is greater than God's will. If we think that we can actually get in the way of whatever it is that God wants to have happen, we can actually get in the way of keeping that from happening. And the truth is, is that his will is always greater than whatever our messy reality would be. Welcome to Hope for the Day with Pastor Philip Holland. Throughout history, people have longed to understand what God's will is for their life. We often struggle with difficult questions and decisions related to our families, careers, our hopes and dreams, and our futures. Sometimes when faced with challenges and hardships in life, our faith can be tested and it becomes hard to understand what God wants us to do. Fortunately for us, the Bible offers many great lessons and encouragement to help us through these difficult times. One great example can be found in the life of Joseph. In this sermon series, we'll be examining the life of Joseph in the book of Genesis to uncover the main theme of God's faithfulness even when life doesn't go our way. Please enjoy the message. from making bad decisions with our money. Because maybe that little bit is just enough for you to consider making some speculative investment. Maybe it's that decision that's just enough to cause you to want to go spend a half a million dollars on a camper. We were walking by one of those the other day and my kids are like we need to get one of these and i'm like no we do not i do not want to drive around in one of those things no way are you kidding me imagine all the nice hotels we could stay in if we didn't buy that and we still wouldn't spend as much money as we would on one of those things you know what i'm saying though god's revealed will is always that starting point but then there is his specific will okay his specific will is this, it's the individualized extension of his revealed will. So you start here with the revealed will and then you gradually get clarity on the individual, on the individualized uh, application of that into your life. And so what do you do? You evaluate things. You you evaluate your gifts. You evaluate your experiences. You you get men, uh, mentors in your life. You get guidance from other people that are uh, more knowledgeable than you, as it relates to things like parenting and marriage and career advice. I had a I had a situation. It was it was while we were actually interviewing to for this position here at this church, and I was talking to my father in law about it and and I was saying, I don't really know what I'm supposed to do. We really, we, we liked the area that we were in but the situation wasn't the best and we felt like there needed to be some kind of change and, and I knew I wanted to be a senior pastor and, and that's in essence what he asked me. He said, do, well, do you want to be a senior pastor? I said, yes. He said, okay, well is there any other church that's asking you to be their senior pastor? <laughs> I <It's> like, no. <laughs> he said, well there you go. Now, is there a chapter and verse for that? No, there's not. And there's a point at which, again, we start with the Lord's will, and then we begin to work, his revealed will, and then we begin to work from there to figure out that individualized, specific will. For our lives and so God's specific will is again that individualized extension of his revealed will for our lives now here's a key idea that you have to understand when it comes to this what we're talking about is that God's specific will will never contradict his revealed will let me say it again God's specific will for your life will never contradict his revealed will. I'll give you a verse for that in a second, but but I'll apply it to those of you that are single. He says in his word, do not become unequally yoked. And I'm telling you, don't become unequally yoked with somebody in marriage. I've seen it so many times to where that other person will pull back, will pull the person that's trying to pursue the Lord, have... Allow their faith to come out in their lives, they pull them back and may even turn them away from the faith altogether in Christ. And so, you need somebody who has the same belief system, value system as you. And then, when you get married together, then you run together and you begin to continue. Or th- from there, you're beginning that marriage together, growing together. It's an amazing thing. But he's saying, don't get together with somebody who's unequally yoked. but, but, but you would say, but I like this person. I'm attracted to this person. I love this person. Yeah, but God's individual will will never contradict his revealed will. It can't, because if he does that, then he has to deny himself. That's what it says in 2 Timothy 2, verse 13. God cannot deny himself self. That's why it is so important for us to begin with His revealed will and align our lives with that as much as we possibly can through the power of the Holy Spirit and His grace. And then the individual will becomes more and more clear as we journey along. Now, all of that, okay, that's the foundation. All of that brings us into this, this passage of Scripture in Genesis 37 with Joseph. Now, Joseph is in a bit of a, a precarious situation. He's 17. He's the favorite uh, of his father, Jacob, who also has 12 sons. And the other 11, well, the 10 of them at least, hate Jacob. They hate him so much in fact as we're going to come to find out that they're willing to sell him off into slavery. I mean, you think you got it bad with your siblings? Wow. This guy gets sold off into slavery, sent to another country, and then they tell then they're going to get then they're going to tell Jacob, "Well, he's dead. He got killed by an animal." I mean, it's bad. It's a really it's about as bad as it possibly gets. And Jacob only makes it worse. So rather than just favoring his son through different decisions, he goes even farther with. He gives him this pretty coat that has long sleeves, goes all the way to the ground. And let me tell you something, if you've got a coat that has long sleeves, that means that you're doing work in the office. You're inside. The brothers are in the field. They're slaving away. And so Jacob is, Jacob is favoring this son of his who is 17. And I emphasize his age 17 because what we're going to find out about Joseph in this passage of Scripture is that it's gonna take 23 years for what's gonna get revealed to him to come to pass. That's a long time. Thank you for tuning in to Hope for the Day. Our mission is to offer you hope through christ Center biblical preaching. We certainly hope that this broadcast is doing just that for you today. You might not know this, but each of these sermons are recorded live at Valley View Christian Church in the Denver metropolitan area. If you live in the city, we'd love to meet you in person. We offer Sunday services at 8 a.m., 9.30 a.m., and 11 a.m. We have programming for children of all ages, dynamic worship, plenty of opportunities to get connected beyond Sundays, outreach initiatives, and much, much more. Do you want to know why we do all that we do? Because so much of our church leadership has had their life changed at a local church. Because it's here that we met Jesus and he changed our lives. And we want Jesus to change your life as well. So let's pick up in verse 1 of Genesis 37, and this is what it says. Jacob lived in the land where his father had stayed, the land of Canaan. This is the account of Jacob's family line. Joseph, a young man of 17, was tending the flocks with his brothers. Really, they're the ones doing the tending. He's just supervising. He's checking in. The sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, now I don't understand that, those names, I mean, come on, or maybe they're twins, hard to know. His father's wives, he brought their father a bad report about them being the brothers. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age. And he made an ornate robe for him. So it was very obvious that he was favored. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. Joseph had a dream, though, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, Listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field, when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright, while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. Okay, now, I don't know if you've heard of emotional intelligence. He had none of it his brothers hate him and so now he's gonna go to them and say guess what you're gonna bow down to me one day I mean that's just complete disconnect the guy could not read the room at all his brothers said to him do you intend to reign over us will you actually rule us and they hated him all the more because of the dream and what he said and then he had another dream and he told it to his brothers listen I had another dream, and this time the sun and the moon and the eleven stars were bowing down to me. When he told his father as well, his brothers, his father as as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him and said, "What is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come? To, come actually come and bow down to the ground before you?" His brothers were jealous of him, but his father, his father, he kept all of this in mind. And so Jacob has something revealed to him. It's a little bit fuzzy, it's a little bit confusing. He feels like he knows where his life is heading, but he doesn't know exactly how he's gonna get to this point where the last thing his brothers would ever do is bow down to him, but somehow, someway, it's gonna happen. And And his father keeps all of that in mind. And so what does that teach us as it relates to God's will for our lives and the lessons for that? Well, I think one of the first things here is, as God is beginning to maneuver and to work through Joseph's life, the first thing that we learn here is this, is that God's will is greater than your messy reality. Like there's this part of us that feels like whenever we're sorting through challenging situations and maybe bad decisions that we've made, that somehow your decision and my decision is greater than God's will. If we think that we can actually get in the way of whatever it is that God wants to have happen, we can actually get in the way of keeping that from happening. And the truth is, is that his will is always greater than whatever our messy reality would be. Like I know of a guy who came up in a very, very challenging home. Abusive father, alcoholic mother. Obviously they end up getting a divorce. That's not gonna work out. He bounces around. Sometimes he's fed. Sometimes he isn't. He's in a situation where he's incredibly insecure. He didn't get the right education. But he ended up finally graduating high school. But he's got all these emotional issues. He's essentially got PTSD from his childhood. And, he, and he's saying, I don't, I don't even think that, God, I don't think that God can even use me now. I'm so messed up. Like, he doesn't feel like he has a future. He doesn't feel like God's will can really be seen in his life because of the childhood that he had. And maybe your situation's like that. Maybe it's, again, it's that marriage. Or maybe it's a bad career choice. Maybe it's a bad degree choice. Maybe it's $150,000 of student loans that you probably shouldn't have taken out. And you just feel like nothing is ever going to be able to come together for you. Well, let me, let me take you back to Joseph and Jacob specifically. Jacob was a mess. The guy was absolute, he was a swindler and he steals his brother's birthright from him. And so his brother wants to kill him. So he runs off to this guy named Laban, who's his uncle. He starts working for Laban. And as he's working for Laban, he makes this arrangement to marry Laban's daughter, Rachel. And so he works for Laban for seven years and then there's the marriage ceremony and what does Jacob do? Well, Jacob gets drunk. He drinks so much, in fact, that Laban decides to take advantage of him and he's got this other daughter named Leah that nobody wants to marry. And so he puts Leah in in Rachel's place. He switches them out and then Jacob consummates the marriage with Leah and now all of a sudden Jacob's married to Leah the next morning. He's like, how did this happen? Well, then he spends another seven years trying to get Rachel, and he finally gets Rachel. And and here's the thing as we come back to God's will. Is polygamy is never endorsed in the Bible. That marriage is between a man and a woman. Period. The two become one. That's it. Now, God works through that. These things in our culture that we are accepting of, God will still use those situations, but he never endorses it. His revealed will is never aligned with that. And so... Jacob now has two wives, and he's going to have several sons through Leah. He's going to have two through Rachel, Benjamin and Joseph. And that's just this massive train wreck. And Jacob's favorite wife, and let me just tell you something, if you've got a favorite wife, that's a problem. (laughs) Think about that. So Joseph is now working through this incredibly dysfunctional family, and then God shows up, and and essentially reveals to him what we're going to find out is, I'm going to save your family. I'm going to create a nation through this mess because God's will is greater than your messy reality. Romans 8 tells us that. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him and so those who are willing to align their lives with his revealed will to his purpose. And so the first thing that we learn here about God's will is that it's, it's greater than any messy reality. That's not all of you, but it is some of you who are worried about that. The second thing is this, is that God's will is never in a hurry. I already kind of let the cat out of the bag on this one, but it takes 23 years for these dreams of Joseph's to finally be fulfilled and revealed and all of it comes together. 23 years before those brothers are bowing down to him. That's a long time. thank you for tuning in to hope for the day i hope that this message has been an encouragement to you i know that it has been to others you see it is through the generous contributions of people like you that this ministry can thrive and get God's truth out into the world. I recently received a card from someone who said, thank you for these messages on Hope for the Day. They are encouraging and refreshing as we get the opportunity to hear biblically-centered teaching that continually points people to Christ. And that is just one of several notes that we have received of those who appreciate the teaching here at Hope for the Day. There's a lot of things that can happen as we're waiting. We don't like to wait. We're, we're a people who are in a hurry. You know, for example, let me, let me just draw your attention to this. We send packages by Federal Express. We use a cell phone company called Sprint. We manage our personal finances on Quicken. We schedule appointments on a thing called Day Runner. We diet with Slim Fast, and we wear swim trucks made by Speedo. <laughs> now, as we talk about God's will, I just want to be very clear here that his will is not for you to wear a Speedo. It's just, it's just not, that's not, that's not a thing. He just really doesn't want you to do that. Um, but you look in the Bible and, and God's will is beginning to work out in people's lives and he casts a vision for them and they catch a dream. And that's even a side note there. I know some of you are into dreams and you're trying to interpret dreams and, and God has certainly spoken through dreams, no doubt about it. That, that is a real thing that he has done from time to time. But again, we have to depend on his revealed will more than anything else. And so God told Abraham, I'm going to make you and your wife, Sarah, have, have, a, have, more, have more children, more people in your lineage than there are stars in the sky. And they believed him for that. But then there came this point at which Sarah said, you know what? I can't wait any longer. I, I can't do this anymore. I need, we need to have an heir. You need to have an heir. So, so here's my maidservant, Hagar. Go sleep with her. And Abraham's like, okay, all right. So then that happens. They have Ishmael. And then that creates all sorts of problems and issues in their family. And then finally, finally, Isaac is born from them. But it's from Ishmael that we get now, you see the long-term impact of that, that we get the people of Islam. And the the religion, uh, the Muslim faith, has came out of Ishmael. I mean, there's just like these long-term impact things that happen in our world that wouldn't if we were just willing to be patient. And, And here's the thing, is your timing and your will are never naturally going to be inclined to be at the same pace as God's will. We always want it to be faster. That's what Peter's reminding the people of in 2 Peter that he writes to. He says this. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. He is not slow. He has a greater purpose in mind. And we have to have faith in that. Abraham was, it was credited to him as righteousness because he had faith in God's promises. Do you want to have that kind of righteousness in your life? Because you have faith that it's gonna work out, I'm not gonna grab, you're not gonna grab a hold of it, I'm not gonna grab a hold of it before the Lord begins to do what it is that he is desiring to do. Are we willing to be patient? The psalmist give us this encouragement, wait on the Lord, be of good courage, and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. Don't take it all into your own hands. And the last lesson that we learn here from Joseph is this, is that God's will may upset people in your life. He was speaking truth to his family, and it upset them. God's word does that. God's revealed will will do that. Jesus promised us this, in fact. Check this out in Luke, chapter 12, verse 51 and 52. Do you think I've come to bring peace to this earth? No, I've come to divide people against each other. From now on, families will be split apart, three in favor of me, two against, or two in favor, and three against. What Jesus is saying there is that when you follow me, and you do what it is that I desire you to do, and you've got to decide that for yourself. Maybe it's say a prayer. I was talking with a woman from our church just recently, and she was wanting to know how she could pray for her family, pray over a mother who is dying, when no one around her shares that faith. There's quite a bit of tension in that moment. But if she's gonna be faithful, there's gonna be some division that's gonna take place there. When you do God's will, it's not gonna make everybody around you happy. I mean, I'm still trying to convince my mom that I'm supposed to be in ministry. She's like, so when are you going to stop doing that church thing and start doing something else? Like, you know, you just got to live with some of that. But I have a great peace, and I have a life that's very fulfilling, and you can too. And sometimes we have to disregard the people that are telling us to do something that the Lord doesn't want to, that the, we have to disregard, we have to, push people aside as we are trying to align our lives with what the Lord wants us to do. Again, Jesus said there are going to be moments like that. It shouldn't characterize your entire life, but there are definitely going to be moments like that. And again, as we come back to the story of Joseph, what what I love about his story, no matter how hard the situation is, is there's this continual promise that we'll read about. And the promise is this, is that God was with him. God was with him. God was with him. Because while he was waiting on God's specific will to be revealed, he was trusting in the revealed will of God that already had been revealed. And God was with him, God was with him, God was with him. And here's what's amazing, is that when we align our lives with God's revealed will, we have so much more margin on the specific will. That's what the prophet Isaiah says to us, and I'll close close with this verse. He says whether you turn to the right or to the left this is the way walk in it and why is it that he can give that promise because God is with him let's pray father we're so grateful Lord for all that you've given us and Jesus I pray that we would align our lives dear Jesus with your revealed will for our lives and we, we know where we need that. We can feel it in our stomachs. We, we know it in our minds. And so I just pray, Father, that we would again align ourselves with your truth, that we would align ourselves with all that you have shared with us as it relates to our families, as it relates to how it is that we need to manage the resources that we have, as it relates to all that we, Lord, have been given all the riches that we have been given in Jesus. I pray, Father, that we would align our lives with that and may you give us great clarity in all that we need to do and the decisions that we need to make as we move forward. In the name of Jesus we pray. Well, unfortunately, we have to bring today's message to a close. But my hope is that the word that was spoken was an encouragement to you. That's always our hope here at Hope for the Day. Did you know that these messages are recorded at Valley View Christian Church every Sunday?